This is an ABC podcast. On ABC Grandstand Digital, this is more than just a game. Yes, welcome to More Than Just a Game, where we look at the big issues in sport off the field of play. It's Paul Roach with you here for the first time in 2019. And uh, joining me today, a couple of very good friends and colleagues, Stephen Riley, coming in from the South Bank End, as always. How are you going, Riles? Hello, all. I'm top of the world. And uh, Simon Johnson, uh, recovered from the More Than Just a Game Christmas party, Jono. That's the last time we spoke. Uh, only just, Roach, here. It's <laughs> been, just. been a few weeks, but yeah, great to be back for another year. Clearly, Dave Gill, on the other hand, he's yet to fully recover. Uh, he's on the bench, but hopefully he'll be back next show. Uh, look, coming up, is Cricket Australia killing the goose that's laid the golden Big Bash egg? Uh, we'll talk to Fairfax columnist Malcolm Knox, who outlined some thoughts on that in a recent column. Uh, in tennis, we'll look at the uh, Australian Open. Steve was our man on the ground there. Looking forward to hearing a report from Riles. Uh, plus also a bizarre Davis Cup sponsorship. There's a smattering of things to discuss in the world of football, especially uh, if you include Super Bowl. And, of course, we'll wrap it up with Red Card, Yellow Card, where we have a bit of fun at the expense of sports people around the world. Now, look, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at MTJAG Grandstand and subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favourite podcast app. But for now, let's kick off 2019 on More Than Just a Game. More Than Just a Game on ABC Grandstand Digital. So, look, I'm going to make a big statement here. Cricket has begun to slip from its place in the national consciousness, from its revered place in the Australian summer. Now, look, it's coming from a very, very high base, granted, but just think about the last year or so. It's no longer on its spiritual TV home of 40-odd years, and arguably that's a good thing. Uh, the new TV deal itself sees one day as, and indeed 2020s, international 2020s, go behind the paywall for the first time. So only about a quarter of the population can view them. And now we have the first hints of negativity about the Big Bash with the new expanded format coming in for a fair bit of criticism. And I'm curious, how have your viewing habits of the Big Bash BBL08 changed compared to previous editions? Yeah, Rochi, so recent weekend I'd uh, managed to um, negotiate a situation where the wife happened to be out. <laughs> I'd got the kids down a little bit earlier and I thought to myself, I'm just going to flick on um, the pay TV channel and watch a Big Bash game. And it was the Hobart Hurricanes and the Sydney Thunder Bought myself a nice glass of red and was all excited, ready to watch the game. And it was one of the most boring two hours. I mean, it was a semi-final position uh, game. Yep. Uh, it went down to the last over, but still, I have to say, it just didn't have that excitement. So yeah, I've been reading about this, you know, has uh, Cricket Australia killed the Golden Goose with much interest? Because I, I, that has reflected my uh, my experience. Riles, what about yourself? You guys are so negative. I, uh, <laughs> look, I've spent 10 years bashing Cricket Australia, and this is why I think they can't kill the Golden Goose. They're not competent enough. They're going to try. They're going to fail. <laughs> cricket will prevail. Uh, look, it's a bit like Cricket Australia has, has stuffed this Golden Goose so full that uh, instead of continuing to produce a foie gras, it's just about to explode. Um, look, oh. now, <laughs> Uh, Red now, wine, foie gras, who are you two? Yeah, uh, very good question. This is more than just a game, Riles. Uh, well, look, I mean, as I said at the top, Malcolm Knox had a few things to say on this very matter recently, and he joins us now. G'day, Malcolm. Welcome to the show. G'day. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for joining us. Now, you outlined some pretty strident views in your column. So have, have you been a fan of the Big Bash concept previously? And if so, when did things have changed for you? Uh, I have. I've been a fan of it since the start. And... I think it probably hit a sweet spot 
two or three years ago, uh, when you had the momentum from the, the early competitions, you had a lot of international stars, you had uh, the viewer appeal of some retired stars like Shane Warne and then Jacques Callas and others. Um, it felt like, apart from the Indian Premier League, it felt like the, the top um, 2020 competition around the world and um, look I I have been a, quite a uh, I'm that bad a viewer that I would come back from a day watching test cricket <laughs> and put the big bash on so that's, that's how tragic uh, I was and it's kind of evaporated um, quite quickly uh, in the last probably over last season and certainly during this season Probably one of the specific uh, criticisms this season, Malcolm, has been that there's just too much of it and it's going on for too long. When you've got um, current players talking about that and even Michael Vaughan, um, one of the, the top commentators who's out here making similar comments, that's got to be a concern for Cricket Australia, I would have thought. Yeah, definitely. They've, they've entered this broadcast deal where I, I think the interests of the broadcasters are running at kind of cross-current to the interests of the hmm. public hmm. and uh, Cricket Australia are sort of caught in the middle. Yeah, Malcolm, I, I'm probably coming from a different angle on this one. I, I just feel like uh, Cricket Australia and the broadcasters pulled the wrong rein when they started trying to push. It, curiously, their, their um, advertising for this year was League of Heroes, <laughs> but they've they've actually not promoted a single character or the the people in the game. They've promoted the fast action, the big hitting, and they've lost the 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 heroes that I think you were talking about at the beginning in the that highlight third year with the the best in the game, and they forgot to build the grassroots. If you look at some of these grassroots players, I would have thought we should be excited about that. Do you think they're missing a trick there? Look, BBL has always been about moments, and um, you know, I, I think the, the viewer interest or the public interest um, has largely depended on spectacular individual feats, whether they're, whether they're innings, whether they're catches, whether they're extraordinary uh, feats of athleticism that, that we all remember, far more than loyalty to teams. So I can see what they're trying to do, but it's never really been about the heroes either. It's been about the moments. And, and, and the elephant in the room that they're, that they're trying to kind of make us uh, not notice is that team loyalties are still not strong enough. Now, maybe they mm. will over time, among, particularly among kids, uh, they will develop, but um, you know, unlike any other any other domestic uh, tournament of, of any sport you can think of, you, you don't come into this with um, rock solid fans in great numbers, rock solid fans of particular teams. And partly, you know, the League of Heroes thing has has fed that because players shuffle around the teams so rapidly you can't remember who's who and there are very few who kind of stick with one team year after year. Yeah, it's an interesting point because I was talking to uh, someone only today, uh, a Bangladeshi who's been in Australia for about seven or eight years, a man on his cricket, and I asked him about the Big Bash, you know, conscious that we were going to talk about this now, and uh, he, he said pretty much exactly that. It's sort of hard to keep track of, you know, when players, where the players are. Now, on the flip side... They're in Bangladesh. He should be watching the Bangladesh. Uh, well, Bangladesh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Good point, good point. Um, but I, I have an allegiance because I'm quite close to one of the grounds that you know one of the teams has home ground at. Um, and because this this whole concept of tribalism is really is important to the Australian sports fan, right? I mean, it's you know you, you've got your club, in the footy club that that you've followed for generations. It strikes me that given this is a bit of a 
a new phenomenon, almost a made-for-TV kind of thing, or at least a very sort of entertainment-oriented uh, product. I hate using that word, but let's face it, that's what it is. That maybe they've um, abandoned the idea of tribalism, or that hasn't been a, a big thing. Now, this is more of a comment than a question I've just realised. But <laughs> well, all free to agree yeah, or disagree, yeah. man. All they can do is cross their fingers. All they can do is cross their fingers and hope that those, uh, you know, young kids who who started watching uh, when they're less than ten years old are going to stick with it long enough and feel feel that you know lifelong tribalism uh, that you get in other sports. But it, that's a long term project. Yeah, I, I reckon you're onto something there. I think the kids are missing. The, and one of the things about going with TV is you start going for late night, prime time, yep. And, yep. and you start making decisions like going to Perth Stadium and having a spottily filled stadium with zero atmosphere versus a packed whacker ground with a full hill. I, th- I think too that I mean the ratings have still been okay, and and but what what I'm you know the, the yin to this yang is of course the women's version of the game, which whilst coming from a fairly low base, I suppose, is it's sort of going from strength to strength. So you know that there's there's potential for this format and this style of game to resonate. So what's the are there lessons from the women's version that the men's version should be uh, should be taking note of now? Do you think, Malcolm? Uh no, I don't think so, because it's starting from such a different place and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, building its own momentum, um, I think, I think in a completely almost a different world. It's not, um, it, it, there's not a lot of overlap and there's not a lot, you know, the stuff, the, the momentum that's, that's behind women's sport in general is not something that, you know, men's sports can reproduce even if they wanted to. Um, mm. Look, yeah. The, the, the problem about legacy, and that's really what we're talking about, is, um, again, where Cricket Australia stands in this place where, you know, it wants to build legacy. It wants, to, wants that, this thing to be going on forever. Um, and everybody, everybody wants that. The TV networks want that. But the TV networks are, are also only thinking about their current deal and what they can get for the terms of... of the deal that they have at the moment. They want to get the most for their money. And there are certain economies of scale in that that, uh, you know, the more the more they get out of the current deal, the better for them because they can scale it. Mm. But that doesn't necessarily produce the best legacy for the game because the interests of the, of the TV channels are not the same as the interests of the public. And one of the, the themes that I quite liked in your article, Malcolm, was this concept of um, scarcity value. You were, I think, yeah. described that... Um, you know, that's something that perhaps the BBL hasn't got right and you made the comparison um, with the NFL um, over in the US and how that's a, a pretty compressed season. I think it's 16 or 17 games mm. and it's been that way for a very long period of time. They only have a, a limited number of franchises. Um, is that a, a fair comparison about what should be done uh, with the BBL? Oh, I don't know if the BBL can do that. It's a, you know, the, the NFL's you know, probably the strongest sporting competition in the world, but can we ask whether scarcity is part of that and whether, you know, the public, you hear this from a lot of people who you talk to, they just want a bit less and they want it to be of higher value. Um, uh, the economics of, of, you know, content production don't really work that way. The, you, you know, the number one is the leader, so we just feel more and more of number one and cricket cricket is the leader during summer so let's just pump out more and more cricket and, and hmm. be more and more dominant but out in the public 
you 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 know you feel saturation um, and and hence boredom and hence people people turning off um, uh, and wanting scarcity. The NFL has been extremely um, prudent and cautious in protecting its scarcity, and uh, that's been a long-term bet that has paid off. Uh, Malcolm, uh, the NBA and uh, Major League Baseball, though, both play you know, 150, 160 games. Yeah, yeah, and baseball baseball has suffered for that. Mm. Um, uh, you know, the, the, obviously the markets are completely different, you know, much more decentralisation um, across the country. But uh, the, the, NFL, the NFL is the one code over there that has kept on growing, kept streaking ahead, and the others have not in the same way. Yeah, we'll talk a bit more about some numbers uh, later on in the show. But it's interesting, too, that I mean, it, it, there's sort of almost a rite of passage for sports. It's a growing pains of a sort that, um, you know, they often seem to go through, even quite prominent sports. I mean, you know, rugby league, you could argue, had its, you know, Super League Wars, which was, which was reasonably destructive if in the short term only. A-League sort of, you know, they've had their ups and downs as a league in the last, in the 10 or 12 years it's been in existence. Uh, you look at Super Rugby, uh, they've sort of, gone well this is this works let's do more of it until it's sort of exploded and they've had to come back so it's, you know it's almost like as i said it's sort of a rite of passage for these sports that have to go through that that um you know they sort of get a bit bloated until they come back and, and return to their fighting weight or what have you <laughs> yeah that, that's a really that's a really good point and look what, what will sustain the bbl for a long time in the future is everybody remembering oh what was this replacing what was there before this well, nothing. This has been an amazing innovation that replaced a vacuum. Mm. Uh, it's not like rugby that you know they've arguably butchered healthy, uh, you know, provincial rivalries that, that were there and that they've now screwed up. In in cricket's case, the BBL, the, the, you know, there, there was there was very low interest in domestic Australian cricket before the BBL, and uh, it is a success even if it winds backwards. Uh, for a period. It remains a success against that uh, prior benchmark. It's a really good point. It's like the Sydney and Melbourne housing markets. They might be coming off, but they're coming <laughs> off from a pretty high base. <laughs> All right, Malcolm Knox, uh, cricket columnist from the Sydney Morning Hill. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me. More than just a game on ABC Grandstand Digital. Uh, on to tennis now, and another apparently successful Australian Open got 2019 underway, uh, annoying some Big Bash fans, or certainly getting in the road of some Big Bash. Uh, some of the top players saying some very nice things about the tournament, Djokovic amongst others saying it was possibly the best, but it was interesting to note that they said also that it's come a long way, the tournament has come a long way. Uh, Steve, as you were a couple of years ago, you were there on behalf of more than just a game. Tell us a bit about your experience in 2019, especially compared to what you've seen over the last few years. Well, the first time I came was in the early 90s, and I've been coming every now and then since. And I've been here maybe, I don't know, five of the last six years. It has changed enormously. Back in the early 90s, it was just a tennis tournament. I think even six years ago, it was a it was a tennis tournament with some cool beer gardens and live music sort of outside the main stadium. Now, now it's something else. Now it's a festival that just happens to be centred around a tennis tournament. There are thousands. In fact, I think I read a report that said there were tens of thousands of people who came, paid their entry fee for the grounds, and didn't watch a minute of tennis because they were huh, of live either, tennis. N- not a bit because right. there's a top tier music festival going on. 
there's full-on retail. I'm not just talking about you know Australian Open merch or or your you know your, your different tennis brands. There are you know fashion labels there, watch labels there. Um, you know it, it, it is a full-on shopping restaurant bar experience, and 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 in the middle of all that. There's a $500,000 video game <laughs> tournament going on that packs out Margaret Court Arena on the second Sunday of the fortnight. I, this is a festival that only slightly resembles the tennis tournament of you know just a few years ago. We've got to work out how we get a gig to this more than just to get a uh, game junket, don't we, Rachel, yeah. down in Melbourne? Yeah, I Apart agree. I yeah. agree. You, you just walk to you know down to Melbourne, which is the sporting capital of the world, and uh, you buy a ticket. Sp- so speaking of buying tickets for this, how much are people shelling out for not going to the tennis? Do you have so any I idea? Think some- some of the ground passes are as cheap as five bucks, and that'll get you okay. into the the ground. But then they, it goes up for some of the different. Uh, actually, I think all the music might be just covered by the general admission hmm. ticket. Uh, yeah, not sure. And then, but the the Fortnite thing was something. Yeah, uh, that was a. Uh, did, I think that was only five bucks. Did you get? You didn't get to that, did you? No, I didn't. I'm afraid. I, I was actually planning to watch the tennis. <laughs> and, and for the, old non, the non-esports, old school. the, the non-esports uh, listeners amongst us, I'm sure there's at least one who isn't into his esports. What is Fortnite? Over to you, Rod. You're, you're a tech uh, expert, mate. Uh, think of it as a shooting game. All right. So your character goes into an internet uh, world, and you try to shoot the other characters. Uh, that that you, you're part of a team. It's a team game. It's quite creative. Oh, it and sounds fantastic! It's just a phenomenon, just a phenomenon, really is. Uh, and think of think of capture the flag, or uh, you know, if you ever played paintball, mm. you're doing it with a with a character um, on the screen. All right, so that's the game, and so you got to, so a whole lot of competitors descended upon Margaret Court Arena, or was it just a screen showing people? What's no, no, they were they were there. They oh, were advertising them. Oh, they were there. Yeah, they've got their fancy names, which I'm not going to do justice to, and I don't remember any of them. But they've they've got their their headshots. They're spruiking it on YouTube. It was covered live on Twitch TV. It it, it was massive. I I haven't been able to track down the official ratings of the uh, the, the Summer Smash. I think they called it, but mm. worldwide that would have been a significant number. And, and prizes in the hundreds of thousands of dollars for the the winners. It's quite amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, I read five hundred grand in prize money Ooh. all around. Yeah. I was trying to work out what the link with the tennis was and what was in it for for tennis. But I think Craig Tilley came out and he said that um, tennis are always looking for new um, partners and ways of opening mm-hmm. up different avenues. So I guess they're going for the millennial market, are they? By um, by joining up with an esports venture. They've got to That's build it. their fan base from somewhere, don't they? Yeah, it's a festival. It is a place to come and hang out and have a fantastic two weeks. Maybe we should do a lobby Craig to do a, a, a more than just a game outside broadcast uh, 2020 <laughs> tournament. What do you reckon? Um, and look, I, I I want to draw people's attention too to something that we talked about in the show a few months ago. Did you notice in the advertising hoardings around the place there was a car company who's the main sponsor? There was a bank, uh, and there was some Chinese script as well some Chinese characters. Mm. And regular listeners of the show will remember that a few a few months ago, we, uh, we broke the news, kind of, uh, that Tennis Australia had signed up a deal with a Chinese uh, brewery, like a spirit brewery or a liqueur yeah. brewer or some such. Mm-hmm. And at the time, we weren't too sure what it was. And I'm still not sure <laughs> what it was. But there it was. But there are tens or hundreds of millions <laughs> of viewers in China who... You know exactly what it was. You knew exactly what it was. Uh, speaking of viewers, so we had a change of broadcaster as we as we have with the I cricket. We, we we mentioned that at the top in the intro. Can I just can I just pick a couple of nits mm. here? Um, Where was Bruce? 
Uh, look, never mind the personnel. Never mind the personnel. We get sort of, you know, the, the arty camera angles. Yeah. I do not like this camera angle from the bunker. They stick with it. And from one side of the court, they stick with the entire rally. Yeah. If you're going to give us perspective, that's sort of centre center of the court, high up. You know, our brains get used to it. Don't get all funky on us. Yep. Don't prove you're a better broadcaster. <laughs> Show me the blasted tennis, okay? Yep, so, that's number so in one. Defense, and in defense of the broadcaster. It's, it's not the broadcaster. Oh, uh, well, well, that's a good point, actually. Whoever's responsibility is. I don't care whose responsibility is. I just want this to change. Uh, and also... Cutting, you, know, you got the arty shot up close to the person who's about to serve, watching their face, mm. zooming on their faces. They're, you know, bounce, 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 toss, still on the face, still on the face, toss, the toss, the balls at the top. Ah, oh, cut, cut back to the, 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 that proper angle mm. after the ball's been hit. And too late. Oh, it's just too late. Way too late. Last one. Mm. People. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on one second. Go oh, on. There's a, there's a fax coming in, Paul, offering <laughs> you a job in 1987. <laughs> and I don't like this acronymization of the two main courts. <laughs> RLA, RLA and MCA. I mean, I, I think we need to bring back the halftime rant. Remember when we used to do that? <laughs> the halftime rant, yeah, yeah. I think we should bring, bring, that, bring that segment back. But uh, I, think I've, yeah, I think I've got that off my chest. It was good to see Jim Courier and John McEnroe back, though. I mean, they'll, they'll show up for anything, won't they? It doesn't matter who's broadcasting as long as their, their bills are getting paid. For, for what it's worth, I thought Todd Woodridge was an excellent host. And, he's, um, and when he hosted the, um, the, the ceremonies at, at the end for the mm. women's and men's, he was top class. Statesman-like. Toddy. Mm. Yes, exactly. Silver Fox. <laughs> uh, look, before we leave tennis, when was the last time you heard of a sport – Sponsoring a completely different sport. Okay, well, it's, it's not actually sport sponsoring. It's a, it's a league, a league of football. La Liga is coming on as a sponsor of all things the Davis Cup. Can you believe this? I don't understand that. Me either. Um, but I thought we'd workshop it and see if we could come up with mm. some sort of plausible reason why. Now, so the Davis Cup, the format has changed. Um, and the sort of people who have invested in the new format, I think Federer's Got a few. Uh, no, Federer's the Labor Cup. Sorry, I misspoke. Um, but it's yeah. There's different people who have uh, who are pushing this new format of the Davis Cup, and it's based in Spain. Or it will be based in Spain for the next couple of editions, which might explain, well, does explain to some degree, La Liga getting involved. Although La Liga's deal is a four-year deal. Can anyone posit any apart reason the, the why Spanish, this is going on? Apart from the Spanish connection, no. It is quite extraordinary, isn't it? Rose, so, got so a I theory. Think- yeah, absolutely. And the Spanish connection for the first two years of the Davis Cup is absolutely the the foundation for why they're doing this. But I think you've got to look a little bit more broadly at the success of the EPL. And if you look oh, yeah. at the Premier League, which no one regards as the top quality football uh, competition in the world, Wait. but it is by far the most popular, oh, okay. by far the most popular. Mm-hmm. And that's come around arguably from... Decades of building it up as as something to to watch and support, and we were talking earlier in the show about mm. building years and years and decades of support. That's what La Liga has come around to realizing they need to grow, especially around Asia, and this is this is their way in, and they're taking a long term view. Mm. Okay, you should be in marketing, Ross. Oh, <laughs> virtually is all right. Well, that long term view uh, has some playing out to do, so we'll watch that one with great interest. More Than Just a Game on ABC Grandstand Digital. Yes, you're on More Than Just a Game here with Stephen Riley, Simon Johnson and myself, Paul Roach. Don't forget, follow us on Twitter at MTJAG Grandstand. Indeed, get in touch. Tell us what you think. Give us some ideas, opinions, thoughts, criticisms, 
compliments. We're we'll up take to them all. All possibilities, exactly. Uh, we move on now to the shootout around the world in eight or so minutes. And I want to start, actually, with uh, with football. Riles, you mentioned it just a moment ago when we were talking about tennis. And you mentioned in particular uh, how massively popular the sport is. Now, what I'm finding interesting in football, as in soccer, as uh, and the EPL in particular, is... So two well two things. One is how they're struggling to get a new CEO. So um, Scudamore, Richard, I think it's Richard, isn't it? Have I got that wrong. They're yeah, re- Richard. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Their recent, their most recent CEO has uh, announced his resignation, and they've had a couple of cracks at getting someone to take the job, but they're struggling. They've had someone accept a Disney executive, I think it was, and uh, she declined after after accepting. And uh, they've got a, gone through that process a couple of times already, which I'm finding very, very odd given the supposed popularity of that league. Is it? Is yeah, it just I think me she was. Uh, I think she was the Discovery Channel. I think. Oh, uh, you're right. Sorry. Disney, but, well, um, aren't they? Did Disney owns Discovery? Oh. I'm going <laughs> to suggest. If they don't, it's only a matter of yeah, time. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Um, look, I think it's a tough job to fill in in one of the most. Uh, critical, and I probably mean that in both senses, critical markets in the world. The press are absolutely, you know, just sharks looking for any sort of weakness. And, um, you know, I think it's a tough gig to to take on. But I, I don't know. I, I, gee, surely you could fill it. It must be one of the more exciting gigs in uh, sports administration. I would have thought so. Yeah, maybe uh, David... Uh uh, FFA executive, he could uh, perhaps do it. David Gallup, <laughs> David he's, Gallup. he's had a couple of cracks. Yeah. <laughs> he's probably already applied. That's his, that's his next step, logical is, next yeah. step. Um, and as part of, of reading about this struggle, if that's the right word, uh, I was also reading something, I think it was the, in The Guardian maybe, the, a, quite a long article about the legacy of, of Scudamore and the work that he has done to get the league, the EPL, to where it is on the international stage. And it, it was already fairly entrenched in England, but when he when he signed up for the top job in about not quite twenty years ago, but close, the EPL was paying overseas broadcasters to carry the Premier League, and now they earn more from international rights and more about the same, maybe a fraction more from international rights than they do from the domestic domestic rights, and turn it into an absolute financial juggernaut. So, it's uh, he's done a pretty impressive job. And, and that might, if you you know wanted to just go back to our earlier discussion of why La Liga is sponsoring Davis Cup, there there it is right there. Mm. And um, before we leave football, interesting to see that Hakim is uh, left Thailand has was uh, was let go from Thailand. Hats off to Craig Foster. Very interesting interplay of sport and geopolitics there. If ever I saw one, Australia, Thailand, and Bahrain. There's an interesting little triumvirate. Great result that one. And uh, one wonders. Uh, whether we'd have even heard of him had he not played football. Uh, On to the Super Bowl now, the uh, amazing phenomenon that uh, the NFL Grand Final is. We spoke to Malcolm Knox, cricket columnist from the Sydney Morning Herald, a little earlier in the show, and uh, he referenced the NFL and what a great job they've done in uh, scarcity, sort of creating value around their product, uh, the overall league. But there's no denying that, of course, it all comes down to the mammoth coming together of a whole lot of incredibly impressive numbers, that is the Super Bowl. So a third of America watches this show. A hundred million people watch this. And it is a show, isn't it? Yeah. It's not just a sporting it's event. unbelievable. But it's just, I, I can't get my head around it. One in every three people. I mean, how many, there must be lots of people who just aren't into sport who go, yeah, okay, I'll get dragged along by this. Or and, I'll and watch, watch for the commercials. I think a lot of people do that, don't they? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
So interesting thing about the have have a guess how much a commercial will set at an advertiser a thirty second spot at, at a half time. Half million bucks. US? Yeah. Stevo? Uh, three million bucks. Five. Five million. Whoa. Low fives seconds. is the current estimate. That's been flat for the last couple of years, but it's doubled since 10 years ago, near enough. About mm. double where it was in 2008. And how are the TV ratings going? Uh, they're good. So CBS, uh, no, well, no, let me correct that. CBS had a bit of a drop. Um, but the streaming services had quite an increase, which is sort of understandably coming from a low base, and streaming is obviously sort of only uh, just <laughs> coming online, pun half-heartedly intended. Um, but, uh, yeah, combined with the prices that you pay for advertising and the coverage you get, uh, sorry, the, the ratings you get, it's it's interesting. I mean, it, this is sort of a... Uh, it's the same as what's happening to sport around the world, right? Their TV ratings are coming under threat from streaming and all sorts of things. And, indeed, from what I understand, um, the... NFL sort of got itself to blame a little bit because they're parving off bits and pieces to Amazon. I'm talking more about the league generally now rather than Super Bowl specifically, but they're sort of diminishing the value a little bit by bringing in these digital players that they kind of have to bring in because otherwise they run the risk of getting completely over, overrun by them. Uh, and the ratings in uh, Oakland... I think. I should... Oh, this was the boycott, was it? Is it Oakland? New Orleans. In New Orleans, thank you yeah. very much. Yeah. What you got you across this? What happened? Well, I think because didn't they miss out? They lost yeah. um, the, the playoff game to get into the Super Bowl through a pretty dodgy referee correct, call. Correct, correct. And yeah. so they organized some massive protest yep. to not watch the Super Bowl. <laughs> and the ratings were actually way down. <laughs> in that area. In that area. It was only about 26% uh, or something instead of 50%. Unreal. There's a good, mature reaction to missing out on the Super Bowl. <laughs> Uh, and finally, on the shootout, it's not sport from the uh, it's not sport, but we like it. File, um, I love it when an other otherwise mundane activity morphs into something competitive. Uh, just a couple of handful of people down at the pub, maybe getting into an argument, and suddenly you've got a competition. Now, funnily enough, regular listeners will know that's exactly how I introed the same segment as last show when we talked about plow racing. Yeah, but a bit fast this time. It's like uh, BMX and parkour have mixed up. Oh yeah, courier bike racing. Ah. Oh. You see the crew bikes, you know, hooning around the CBD, mm. we're going fast, so it yep. makes sense for them to get competitive and get together and do crew bike racing. It's a thing. It is, as they say, a thing. And there's some couple of dudes in the US who are actually making a fair bit of coin out of this. Got a bit of sponsorship from those energy energy drink type of people. I'm picturing someone with dreadlocks. Few tats. Um, few tats. Maybe yeah, piercing through the nose. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Pretty ripped. Yeah, yeah. lots of stuff. So... Um, Careful of your favourite town square. You know, you might start mm. seeing uh, some Aussies in there uh, doing racing around their crew bikes. Um, so does this lead into a whole lot of other events? You know, can can we start our own uh, little yes. you know, regular everyday Olympics? Well, I mean, we talked about plough racing last show. So there's yeah. one otherwise mundane activity that's become a become a, um, a job that's become uh, competitive. Well, it's got its own world championships. What, do you, what well, are you thinking, could, Riles? I'm, I'm thinking World Series texting. Oh, yeah. Now, I think that's been done, actually. Probably. Mm, I'm also thinking maybe the uh, a, a Super Bowl of photocopying. No, no, no. I've got it. I've got it. Right. We could have, we could have a <laughs> racing <laughs> festival of people crossing the street without looking up from their phone. Ooh, wow, that's that's a Colosseum. That's that's Roman times. What not about the, a, not the technology, but the amount of deaths you might in, might encounter in that uh, that exercise. What about supermarket checkout operators, you could just have them all lined up, and they'd have a certain number of packages they had to get through or items. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. It'd just be a race. 
I'd pay to see wow. that. Imagine holding <laughs> holding your nerve as you go for those things that are difficult to, yeah. to pick up Weighing and you've got the, to be able to spin it and get the, the, the barcode at grapes. the bottom. You know what I've okay. always reckoned? This is not quite, a, not, not quite a job. You know what I've always reckoned would make a fantastic competition? You know, at some the shopping malls, uh, you see those little um, uh, booths where you you can activate a little a crane hand thing and, oh, and drop yeah. down to pick up a soft toy? I've n- the yeah. claw. The, the claw. claw, yeah. I reckon if you stuck one of them in the corner of a pub, mm. you'd, you'd make a stack of money and turn that into a competitive thing because they're very hard to do. Almost impossible. Oh, exactly. I think we're onto something there. What do you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> Blow the whistle. I'm about to. Red card, yellow card. Ah, yes, red card, yellow card, where we enjoy poking fun at uh, sporting types who've done something that they would rather we forget about, and we make damn sure that we don't. So, Riles, kick us off. What do you got for us? Look, look, sometimes sporting players make it just too easy. Jack Watts, the Port Adelaide (laughs) forward, has been uh, photographed snorting white powder at Oktoberfest. Oh, as in in Germany, the Oktoberfest? Uh, actually, no, I think it was local, but I'm not sure about that. Okay. It, it turns out, this was his excuse, it wasn't actually anything illegal. It was a uh, a mix of menthol, sugar and glucose, known as Wiesen Pulver. Wow. With with that accent and that exact pronunciation. Mm. Your Honour. WSV. <laughs> wasn't it? And apparently the most you can get out of it is a sugar rush and uh, cleared sinuses. Well, <laughs> sounds, sounds legitimate. Jeez, where do we go with that one? <laughs> I'll tell you what. There's going to be, and I'm, I'm interested to see just how many people decide that they like to use Vs and Pulver outside of Oktoberfest. And um, are there places you can go to get that tested to ensure that there's the right levels of glucose in, in that? Uh, yeah, not too sure. So who are, we, are we dishing out a, what, a, a yellow-headed Jack for no, coming up with that? Who, no. for, for his what's, poor excuse. What's the card? What's the card, Riles? So it's, 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 it's a red for doing it, another oh. red for getting photographed doing it, yeah, and an call. extra red for saying that it was Vs and Pulver. <laughs> Do you have that written? Are you able to spell that so people can independently research it? <laughs> yes, I am. Go on. W I E S N, new mm. word, P U L V E R. Okay, As Bill. Bill. That's right. Ah, right. <laughs> White Bill. Just did a Bill. Wow. <laughs> Quick, let's move on. Well, Joe. you're not going to move very far, I'm afraid, because uh, oh, mine involves no. a little bit of Vison pool oh, as well. <laughs> but, but, allegedly. It's, it's the off family show. I know, I know. So this is in the somewhat staid world of um, bulls or patonk, I suppose. Oh. And it's over in uh, in Europe. And there's actually a patonk league in Europe. I have no doubt. Aware. And apparently it's it's looking to become part of the Olympics in oh, 2024. Not another sport. <laughs> so Riles, our, uh, our, Olympi- our Olympic dream could become a reality. Jeez. You just never know. Anyway, they're in the midst of a drug scandal, the oh. patonk league. Where's Todd Greenberg when you need him right now? Um, it turns out two leading Dutch players have accused their Bel- Belgian counterparts of snorting cocaine to secure a competitive edge. Um, the quote was from Edward Vink, who's 46, a top Dutch player. He said, I know enough Belgian players who use coke. They go to the toilet and they do not throw a wrong ball when they come back. They really feel like the king. I, I experienced it once. We were far ahead and had played flawlessly. Then they went to the bathroom for 10 minutes and they came back with huge eyes. Everyone went well for them. So this is currently being investigated. Renoir Boré of the Patonk Federation Flanders is investigating. He's very keen for Patonk to get into the Olympics in 2024, so he's taking it very seriously. (laughs) 
Watch this space. Uh, I'll tell you if uh, Vizen Pulvo was used as an excuse. I don't think it was, though. I think they've been caught red-handed. Oh, wow. So, and consequently, a red card. I think We're a red card. dishing out red cards like in Fetty here today. Yeah. Unusual. Um, well, someone has a nice high-fibre breakfast and all of a sudden, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, mine are terribly, mine's terribly mundane. It's just the fashion police at the uh, Asian Football Championship, uh, that tournament, which unfortunately was in the wrong time zone for Australia and certainly... Our results didn't go particularly well, and we got bundled out a little bit earlier than we did last tournament. Uh, two elements to this. One is the Chinese, even though it's 400 degrees over there in, the, in, uh, in that part of the world, in the Middle East. Uh, you might have seen a few of the Chinese players wearing long sleeves uh, on tops, and I think occasionally long, or sort of those compression, uh, longer compression shorts. So uh, because they were given a, uh, an order not to not to show their tats, their tattoos. So though a few of them were inked up, you know, from right. times past. But China is taking their participation in football very seriously, investing a lot of money uh, all over the country and seeing uh, being successful at football as a further way of, you know, promoting their interest in the world and participating in the in the world. So, yes, they wanted to make a good impression. So they said to their players, cover Tat up free. your tats. Exactly. Um, and the other one is uh, Ryan Grant, the Socceroo, who enjoys different hairstyles, enjoys being a bit different. Uh, no risk of him being mistaken for, say, Justin Bieber type or anything like that. Loves the mullet, oh. the mullet. Yes. So he rocked the mullet, I think is the correct expression, turning up to the uh, the championship. And he actually had to get special permission to wear it because it was deemed a potentially offensive hairdo. Or an, really? <laughs> an outlandish hairdo, Yes. Um, Potentially. Yeah, well, exactly. It was waved through, though. It <laughs> was that okay? Uh, yes, oh. it, it was, actually. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was waved, blow-dried you, through. You're trying to cut this segment? <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Roll's just right in your sweet spot here. So um, uh, I want to wave a yellow card at the Fashion Police at the uh, Asian Football I second Cup. that. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, well, on that happy note, it's uh, it's time to wrap up another exciting edition of More Than Just a Game. So uh, see you later, Jono. Thanks for your time. Until next month. Indeed. And Riles, thank you for your company and your contributions. Farewell all. Let's do it all again. And uh, we shall. And it's goodbye from me, Paul Roach. Thanks for listening to More Than Just a Game on Grandstand Digital. Don't forget, subscribe to the show on iTunes or via the podcast app and follow us on Twitter at MTJAG Grandstand. But until next time, it's bye for now. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.